Happy back to school, teacher learners. Melody here from Learning in Progress, and this is my third episode of our very first season of Teachers Learn 2. Thank you so much for being a part of our teacher community. The first couple of weeks of school are so critical to setting up the year. Classroom community building, getting to know your students, pre-assessments, and of course, routines and procedures. In this episode, we will dive into routines and procedures that will help your classroom run smoothly this school year. Let's get started. Those of you that know me know I absolutely love back to school season. The first week of school is filled with excitement and anticipation. As teachers, we focus on getting to know our students and building a classroom community. Aside from social-emotional learning, there is one more critical component to a successful back-to-school season, routines and procedures. It is so easy to fall into the trap of talking at your students for hours on end about these procedures. And for me, I learned the hard way years ago that this doesn't work. They will tune you out. I have found that introducing a couple of routines a day and doing so through fun, engaging activities will help ensure your students won't tune you out. This will help set up a class for a successful and smooth school year. In this podcast, I will identify the must-teach procedures for the first couple of weeks of school and describe a few ideas on how to successfully introduce them to your class. Routine number one, the morning routine. This is a big one. In my opinion, this should be taught and practiced the very first day of school. Your morning routine should answer the following questions. How do students enter the classroom? What do they do once they get there? How is attendance taken? How is homework submitted? There's a lot to consider. For me, I like to make a sign or poster that lists the four steps of our morning routine. Here are the four steps. One, unpack and begin morning work. Two, once your table is dismissed, check in on the attendance board and submit your homework. Three, complete your class job if needed, and four, work on the ET chart once you've finished your morning work. And for those of you who haven't heard me refer to my ET chart, it is not like the character in the movie. It really stands for extra time. So some teachers like to call this a must-do, may-do list. For me, I call it the ET chart. On the first day of school, as soon as my students walk in, I introduce them to this procedure. For their morning work, I often start with one of my first week of school activities. So it might be all about me, it might be I wish my teacher knew, something just to help me get to know my students. After briefly describing the procedure and displaying the steps of morning routine, they practice the actual routine. So depending on the grade level, for instance, when I used to teach primary, we would actually walk out of the classroom and practice walking back in, unpacking. We would go through all of the steps. Now that I'm an upper grade teacher, I usually don't have my students leave the classroom, but I tell them to pretend as if they had just sat down at their seats and they start to unpack their backpacks. 
Then on the second day before entering the classroom, regardless of the grade level that you're teaching, I recommend reminding them of the steps of morning routine. You may even want to display the four steps near your door or on the front of the board. This will help remind your students and get them ready to learn. Number two, sharpening pencils. Imagine this. You have spent hours planning and prepping the perfect lesson. Your students are at the edge of their seats, hanging on to your every word. And you are about to get to the heart of the lesson, the aha moment. When all of a sudden the obnoxious electric pencil sharpener goes off. Ugh, this is the worst. Now this routine is certainly not a new idea, but in my opinion, it is incredibly critical. Every teacher is different, but for me, I really, really hate the sound of the pencil sharpener. Now I do have an electric pencil sharpener, but only our pencil monitor is allowed to use it. He or she sharpens five to 10 pencils during our afternoon routine, which I'll talk about later. And they then put these pencils into the bin marked sharped. That way, when students need a sharpened pencil, those students simply take their dull pencil, place it in dull, and then they take a new beautifully sharpened pencil out of the bin that says sharp. If a student absolutely needs to sharpen his or her pencil during a lesson, I also include a handheld sharpener. Make sure it has a lid and I include those pencil sharpeners in their group supplies. Again, this is a pretty common classroom routine, but in my opinion, it's absolutely necessary. Number three, distributing and collecting papers. When it comes to learning, every minute counts, and I often tell my students this. The less time we use transitioning between activities, the better. It just means that we have more time to learn more things. Distributing supplies is often a time-consuming transition. Many teachers have classes of over 30 students, myself included. We need transitions to be as efficient as possible. I usually have one student from every table group in charge of collecting and distributing supplies. In the morning, during our morning routine, the homework monitor collects homework and submits it. Alternatively, you can have students turn in their homework to their individual mailboxes. That way, you can see who did not submit it that morning. They might need a reminder, or if this is an ongoing situation, maybe you wanna discuss it with parents. Whichever way you choose, you should have a designated spot for classwork, homework, and paperwork for you, the teacher, or that needs to be submitted to the office. Number four, classroom jobs. In a previous podcast, the one where I described how to set up your classroom, I also mentioned a few examples of classroom jobs. These jobs improve student ownership over their learning and build classroom community. During the first week of school, I model each job for the students. I do this throughout the week and make sure to mention which job I'm demonstrating. 
Then during the second week of school, I ask for volunteers to do each job. This gives me the opportunity to train the students as we go rather than all at once. Around week three, the students apply for their top three job choices. The beauty of it is, is that by that point, they have pretty much already observed every job in the classroom, so they are able to make informed decisions. On top of that, since I had some volunteers already practice those jobs, I usually use those volunteers to train the new students who will be taking over those positions. Number five, transitions. As mentioned earlier, transitions are crucial to a smooth and successful school year. Often, especially in elementary classrooms where we are teaching every subject, too many instructional minutes are lost due to transition time. Have you ever found that some of your students dilly-dally when switching from one subject to another? Or have you found yourself repeating what you just said over and over and over again, trying to get students to take out certain supplies? There's a solution. Use timed music for all of your transitions. Trust me, it works. Simply choose a two to three minute song and train your students to transition every time they hear it. When students hear this song, they stop what they were doing and look to the board. This is where you will write the supplies they need for the next lesson or activity. If they do not need any supplies, just write clear desk. This is a game changer. Never again will you have to repeat yourself to death trying to get students ready for the next lesson. Never again will your students keep asking you what supplies they need. And never again will you waste precious instructional minutes transitioning. Honestly, once students are in this routine, transitions usually take about a minute. And I've done this same procedure with first graders and sixth graders. In both grade levels, it works wonders. If you're looking for an incentive, I recommend calling this procedure Beat the Music. If a table group is ready to learn before the music has ended, give them some table points. And I do want to mention that if you're looking for a good professional development book, something to add to your professional library, make sure you check out Rick Morris's big book. It is filled with tons of time-saving tips. It's compromised of all of his classroom management books and honestly will completely transform your classroom. It's a must read for teachers. Number six, preparing for a lesson. What would you like your students to have done before you start your instruction? Names on papers, notebooks open to a certain section, titles and objectives written in their notes, Consider what takes up the most time at the start of your lesson and include that into your transitions. Let me explain. I teach math in small groups every day. And at the start of the lesson, students write the title, date, and the big idea question at the top of their notes. 
This takes up a good amount of time, but they don't really need me to help them do it. Therefore, I train the students to start this on their own while our transition music is playing. That way, once the transition music has stopped, every student is ready for the actual instruction to begin. At the end of the lesson, I include a check for understanding, meaning that students work on one to two problems independently before they are released to complete their exit tickets. Other than checking their answers, this does not require a whole lot of teacher attention. So while that group is working on completing these problems, I begin writing the title and big idea question for my next small group. If it's the same title and big idea question, then you just skip this step. I tell that group to start getting ready for their lesson, which means cleaning up what they're working on and then writing the title and big idea question in their notebooks. This way, my next small group is getting ready for their lesson while my current group is completing their check for understanding. Trust me, this will save you countless minutes of transitioning between groups. It definitely makes small group instruction more manageable. And the key to this procedure, practice, practice, practice. Allow at least three days of practicing this routine before beginning your math curriculum. You'll thank me later. Number seven, leaving the classroom. How will students leave the classroom to go to the restroom or get a drink of water? How will they leave to go to the nurse or the office? This procedure is a safety concern. As teachers, we need to keep track of where our students are at all times. And with 30 plus students, remembering where each one is at any given moment can be challenging. And this is why I use my attendance board as a way to help me. When a student needs to use the restroom, he or she moves his or her student number from class to restroom. If they need to visit the nurse, then the number goes to office. And whenever that student returns, he or she simply moves that student number back to class. This way I know exactly where my students are throughout the day. And if you are a visual learner like I am, head over to my blog because I actually put just a little image of my attendance board so you can see what I'm talking about. Number eight, graphic organizers. If you use graphic organizers, the first two weeks of school are the perfect time to teach your students how to use them. They can be used for back to school activities. They do not just have to be used to support the curriculum. For example, I use a notice wonder infer table for several subjects throughout the year. On the first day of school, I give each student one of these tables and we use them to make observations about our new classroom. This is also when I introduce them to the concept of a gallery walk. Before exploring the classroom, we will discuss what the three columns mean. This activity allows the students to learn how to use this table before diving into our grade level standards. If you want to learn more about this activity 
and download a freebie resource, make sure to check out the blog post about my first week of school activities. Number nine, classroom discussions and collaboration. Learning how to work in a group and collaborate must be worked on during the first two weeks of school. Collaboration skills must, must, must be explicitly taught. For classroom discussions, consider using hand signals. Have you ever experienced looking out into your classroom and seeing a dozen hands in the air? You call on one student and they begin to elaborately describe a completely off-task story that seems to last forever. Had you known that they had a comment and not a question, that situation could have been avoided. Solution, use hand signals. Problem solved. Have a signal for when a student asks a question, has a comment to share, agrees with another classmate's comment, needs to use the restroom, and would like a drink of water. This will absolutely help your classroom discussion stay on track. As far as collaboration, make sure to include several opportunities for students to work in groups during the first two weeks of school. Before each activity, lead a mini lesson on one collaboration skill. Not only do these type of activities and lessons help build classroom community, they also help you avoid sticky situations later when students are working in groups during their standard base lessons. So here are a few examples of some of these skills that should be taught. What makes a successful team? What qualities does a strong leader have? What does it mean to compromise? How can we respectfully disagree? How can we resolve conflicts? What does it mean to be actively listening? Each one of these skills should be its own lesson with its own activity. Demonstrate both examples and non-examples. Ask for student volunteers to act out both examples and non-examples. And honestly, they get a real kick out of this. <laughs> it ends up being pretty fun. Whatever method or activity you use, these teamwork lessons are absolutely necessary to teach and practice early on in the school year. And last but not least, number 10, afternoon routine. Just as the morning routine was taught and practiced, the afternoon routine must be taught and practiced. This ideally should be done on the first day of school. How do students pack up and clean up? How do they get their homework or paperwork for their parents? How will you get graded papers back to them? These are all questions that should be answered by your afternoon routine. Similar to my morning routine, I make a sign with four steps for the afternoon routine. One, write down your homework. Two, pack up. Three, complete your job if needed. And four, clean or organize your desk. You may want to consider using time music specifically for your afternoon routine. This way, students know when it is the end of the day. Make sure this music is a bit longer than your transition music. I recommend a playlist that is maybe seven to 10 minutes long because this will allow plenty of time for students to also complete their classroom jobs. 
Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope that these ideas will help you set up your classroom and its students for a successful school year. My next episode is the first of our second season, which focuses on Reading Workshop. Whether you are starting to consider implementing Reading Workshop or you're just looking to spice up your current program, these next few podcasts are sure to be beneficial. The first episode of Season 2 airs on September 5th. Stay tuned and keep learning.